Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Let's get into the Word today. Have you ever used a word? Maybe, maybe you used a word, maybe it was a word you thought you knew the meaning of, or, or you thought you were familiar with, and you used a word, and later you found out it didn't really mean what you thought it did. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You were using it, and then all of a sudden somebody said, hey, do you know what that word means? I, I came across a word like that this week, and has anybody ever looked at you, and, and uh, you walked in, and they look, and they go, wow, you look terrific, right? Terri- anybody ever? Maybe, maybe we don't use that word anymore. You look terrific. Or maybe they invited you over at dinner and, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and they said, wow, this dinner is terrific, right? I, I used to think, man, that word just meant, man, really good, right? I mean, it's got to be great. I, I, I look great or, or the meal was just great. It was terrific. And yet the original definition of the word terrific means causing terror. Seriously, look it up. The the original meaning of the word terrific is causing terror. So let me help you out because we're in the holidays where oftentimes, you know, you get asked these questions or you got to go someplace and somebody's providing dinner. Maybe you go to a family and, you know, and and so maybe, you know, you get that question and and somebody comes in and they're dressed and you're kind of like, oh boy, look at the way they look. And they go, how do I look in this outfit? You don't have to get in trouble anymore. You can say you look terrific and you don't have to lie. Where they say, how was this dinner or this meal? You go, it was terrific, right? I'm going to get some people in trouble. (laughs) Understanding the, the, the meaning or full meaning of a word can have a profound effect on our everyday life. And we're going to, we're going to look at a word, and this is how I feel about a word in scripture. A word that as I was studying and as I've been preparing that I just got really, really excited about. It's a familiar word, one in which oftentimes we think we know the meaning of, particularly if we've been a believer, you've been around church for any time, you, you think you, you know, well, I know what that word means, uh, but maybe perhaps we don't know the full meaning or the depth of what this word really means. What is the word that I'm talking about? Today, we're going to look at the word saved. Saved, And you say, Pastor, I know what that, that word means, but I'm going to encourage you today that this word means so much more than you can ever imagine. In fact, it's profound, and the word saved is the reason this season and the reason all year that we have hope, that there is hope. In fact, Matthew chapter 12, 18 to 21, from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, Matthew writes this concerning Jesus that this fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. And this is what it says. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me, and I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public, and I love this part. He'll not crush the weakest reed or put out the flickering candle. Come on. Come on. That's, That's hope. That's Jesus. Finally, he'll cause justice to be victorious. And look at this. In his name will be the hope of all the world. In his name will be what? Hope. In his name will be hope. So if we're talking about Jesus, how does the name of Jesus bring hope? What is it about the name of Jesus that is the hope 
of all the world. So what's so hopeful? So I, I began to take a look at the name of Jesus. And if you take a look at the name Jesus, the name Jesus comes from the Hebrew word Yeshua, which means God saves. The Hebrew word, it's two words, Yah, Y-A-H, God, God, and then Shua, saves. Yeshua, God saves. So his very name, the very name of Jesus means God saves. So what does that mean? Well, in Christianity, if you've heard the, the word saved before, you think of I've been saved from hell or I've been forgiven of my sin. I've been saved. I've received salvation. And that's certainly part of it. That's certainly very much important. That's, that's a common word, much like the common word terrific, right? We believe and we know that, that that is a common word, the common use. The common use of save means forgiveness of sin. But in the birth story of Jesus, we see that, that this is where this name was given. Matthew appeared in Matthew's gospel. Joseph uh, had, a, had a dream. An angel appeared to him in a dream. Mary had come to him and said, hey, uh, I, I'm, I'm pregnant. And an angel visited me, and it's by God. And Joseph was thinking, what kind of story is this, right? What, kind, what, what am I going to... Can I believe that? My reputation online? What do I do? And he's, he's pondering, do I put Mary away quietly? Do I divorce her? You have to understand that an engagement like that was a contractual engagement. You had to actually have a certificate of divorce, even an engagement. There was something to it. And so he's pondering these things in his heart. And an angel appears to him. And this is what it, what, what it says, Matthew chapter 1, 20 and 21. As he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And look what it says. You are to, you, you are, uh, excuse me, you have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will what? Save his people from their sins. Yeshua, God saves. Save his people from their sins. So, so I got into this, and I said, well, what is the... What does this word saved means? Obviously, he will save his people from their sins. Forgiveness of sin, the common way that we understand this is in here, but it means so much more. The word save in the Greek language in the New Testament, the New Testament written in Greek, the Greek word is actually the word sozo. Sozo, it looks like sozo, but it's pronounced sod with a D, sodzo, and it means to heal, to preserve, to rescue, to deliver, and to make whole. That's the full meaning of that, of that word, sozo. And that's the Greek word that is used that, that he will save, he will sozo his people. Now, throughout Scripture, we, we see this Greek word, and we're going to get into different places in Scripture where, where this word sozo is used in these various ways today. But before we do that, as I was reading through this and, and the, these definitions here about heal and preserve and rescue and deliver and make whole, it brought back to my mind another prophecy in, in the Old Testament by the, by the prophet Isaiah concerning the Messiah who was to come. And, and I find some similarities. So pay attention. See if you can find some similarities. Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to start in verse 3. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet, it was our weaknesses he carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, he was crushed for our sins, 
He was beaten so that we could made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet God laid on him the sins of, our, of us all. Why? To sozo us. To save us. To heal us. To carry our sorrows. To rescue us when we wander into trouble. Friends, there is hope, and that hope is in the name of Jesus. So today, I want to dive in, and we're going we're to see some other passages where this word sozo is used, and we're going to discover four ways that the name of Jesus brings hope. Four ways that the name of Jesus brings hope. Number one is this, Jesus is our hope because Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our hope because Jesus is our healer. Take a look at this, Mark chapter 5, all right, I'm going to use a, we're going to, we're going to go through some of these other passages. In Mark chapter 5, there's two stories that kind of interconnect a little bit. There's two individuals, and they are in desperate need of hope in different ways, and they look to Jesus. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 22, it says this, then the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. And he says, my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay hands on her and heal her so she can live. And in this passage, you have uh, Jairus, who's, a, who's basically the equivalent of a synagogue, was kind of a local church in the Jewish community. It was a, it was a place where locally they would go and they would, they would worship. And he was the leader, so he would kind of be like the pastor of the local church. And he had a daughter who was very ill to the point of death. And he comes to Jesus and he requests that he lay hands on her. And the word that is used is, is heal her so she can live. Heal her. Do you know what the word heal is there? If you look in the Greek, the word heal there is sozo. Sozo. Jairus is looking to Jesus for hope and for healing for his daughter. So as the story continues, Jesus agrees and he says, yeah, you know what? I'll go with you. And so he begins to follow Jairus. And as he is, there's a crowd that begins to, to encircle around and, and, and walk with them. And, and in this, we're introduced to someone else who's in need of hope. And verse 25 says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. Boy, that doesn't sound like hope, right? In fact, she'd gotten worse. And she heard about Jesus. And so she came up behind him through the crowd and she touched his robe for she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. I will be healed. Can you imagine? Twelve years. Twelve years. Some of you can. Some of you have been diagnosed with something and you've been suffering for twelve years or even much longer. She's been suffering for twelve years with this infirmity. We don't know her name, but we're given her condition. We're given the amount of time she suffered. We're given the pain that she suffered. We're told what the, the remedies that she looked for. She was looking for hope in any way that she can. She had gone and tried many different things, gone to many doctors and, and suffered at their hands. Had, had spent everything she had and yet had only gotten worse, not better. She was in desperate need of hope and desperate people do desperate things. 
And you have Jesus, and she hears about Jesus, and she hears that others have been healed by Jesus. And so she thinks to herself, you know, I don't need to address him. I don't need to get his attention. I don't need anything else. But maybe, maybe if I can just touch the hem of his robe, I'll be healed. But here's the problem. When you suffer with bleeding like this, according to the Old Testament Levitical law, you are considered unclean. At that point, you're not allowed to worship in the temple or the synagogue. You're not allowed to be around anyone for anything that you touch. And anyone that you touch becomes unclean and has to go through a purification ritual and a period of time. So she's been isolated for a period of time from family and friends. She's not able to receive those hugs. She's not able to get those handshakes. She's not being greeted in such a way in which emotionally she's been isolated. She's hurting, not just physically, but emotionally. And so for her to press her way through the crowd was a risk because if she were, as she tried to get through the crowd, she'd be touching others, making them unclean, putting herself at risk. If she touches Jesus and he realizes it, perhaps he turns around and says, oh no, now I'm unclean. Nevertheless, she's desperate because in her mind, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I believe I'll be healed. And so that's what she did. The word healed is sozo. Perhaps I will be Sozo. And in Mark 5, 29, we see the results immediately. The bleeding stopped and she could feel it in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Friends, there is hope because there is healing in Jesus' name. There's hope because there's healing in Jesus' name. But that's not where the story ends. In fact, Mark 5, verse 30 tells us that Jesus had realized that power had gone out from him. And he said, who touched my robe? And the disciples say, there's a crowd pressing in all around us. What do you mean, who touched me? Everybody's touching you. Everybody's bumping into us. What do you mean, who touched, who touched my robe? And he pauses for a moment. Who, who, who touched me? Power has gone out. What a, what a question this is. And, and looking around in verse 32, it says this, but he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And look what he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, your suffering is over. So here she is trembling. What kind of response am I going to get from Jesus? He, he recognizes power has gone out and, and he realizes that, that somebody has touched. If I come clean, that means that I've touched him when I'm unclean. Am I going to get a rebuke? What am I, I going to get? And she comes trembling and she confesses what she's done. And rather than a rebuke, she hears the tender words of daughter. Daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Do you know what the Greek word for well is? By now you should figure it out. Sozo. Sozo. Your faith has made you. Well, you see, she had already received the physical healing. But there was so much more than a physical healing that she needed. There was an emotional and spiritual wellness and wholeness that was needed. And when Jesus turned and looked at her and said, Daughter, your faith has made you Well, Sozo, why? Because his name is Jesus, God saves. And it's more than just forgiveness of sin, but it's a wholeness that he provides for our lives. 
There's a wholeness in the name of Jesus. There is hope in Jesus' name. Remember back to that prophecy, Isaiah 53, verse 5, the second half, he was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Friends, there is healing in the name of Jesus. There is healing in the name of Jesus. There's wholeness in the name of Jesus. In fact, the New Testament book of James talks about this idea of healing. And in James 5, 14 and 15, any of you who are sick should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil. Look at this. In what? In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. What name? What name? The name above every name, right? The name above every name. The name that, that when the disciples in the book of Acts, right? They, in the book of Acts chapter 3, there's a, there's a man who is at the gate beautiful and, and he can't walk, a lame man, and he's begging. And, and, and Peter and John walk by and Peter says, silver and gold we do not have. But what I have to give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And they kept saying, hey, what name? Who gave you this authority? Who gave you? In what name are you doing these things? And they said, in the name of Jesus, because there is no other name in which we can't be, what? Saved. Sozo. Sozo. And James, connecting these things, James says, pray over anointing in the name of the Lord. And such a prayer offered in faith will heal, sozo, the sick. And the Lord will make you well, sozo, healed, saved. That's what saved means. It means healed and made whole. It's, it's he being healed. Oh, some of you are not, you're not as excited as I am. If you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. See the connection? See how it all goes together? It all goes together because there is hope in Jesus' name. There is hope in Jesus' name. There is hope in Jesus' name. And both these stories in Mark, the word faith is used. You know, faith is critical in receiving the sozo from Jesus. It's faith. And sometimes we, we, we believe, and then sometimes we struggle to believe. Anybody ever struggle to believe? Struggle to have faith? I, I mean, I kind of identify with that father, you know, whose son uh, was, was probably possessed by a, a demon, kept throwing him into the fire, and the disciples couldn't heal him, and Jesus comes down from the mountain, and, and, and he tells him, and, and, and Jesus cast the, the demon out of the man. But before that, he has this conversation. He says, do you believe? And he says, I believe, but what? Help my unbelief, right? Sometimes that's me. Jesus, I believe, there are parts of me that sometimes struggle and doubt and wrestle. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. We're going we're to see this area of faith in each of these stories. But friends, there is hope in Jesus' name because there is healing in Jesus' name. Secondly, Jesus is our hope because Jesus carries our sorrows. Jesus carries our sorrows. Let's go back to Mark chapter 5. The original journey, remember that Jesus was on, it all started with a, with a synagogue leader by the name of Jairus, right? And, and Jairus had had a little daughter, and, and his daughter needed to be healed. And he said, if you'll lay hands on my daughter, I know that she'll be so-so healed. Will you come with me? And so they were making their way, and, and, and Jesus paused. There's an interruption in the story. He was delayed. And, and, and at that moment, when this, this woman is receiving her healing and her wholeness, in that moment, Jairus is not receiving the same news. 
In fact, verse 35 says that while he was still speaking to her, so Jesus is still having a conversation. I don't know at what point in time during that conversation, but he's been interrupted and he's having a conversation with this lady. He had paused, who touched me? We don't know how long it was that he waited for her to come forward and how long that conversation was. We only have a few brief verses, but during that time when she's receiving good news, Jairus is receiving bad news. For messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. What devastating news. He had put hope in Jesus to bring healing to his daughter. And somehow along the way, they didn't get there in time. Somewhere along the way, there was, a, there was an interruption in their journey. Somewhere along the way, Something delayed the journey. What if Jesus hadn't stopped? What if they just would have continued? What if the crowds hadn't been? What if he had just gotten there just a little bit sooner, just a little bit earlier? Perhaps my daughter would not have been dead. Now what do I do? Now I, I don't understand. This woman has received her healing, and, and me, I'm, I'm receiving bad news and sorrow. I can't imagine the pain and Jairus is hard, and the truth is sometimes we experience the brokenness because of the sinfulness of the world in which we live. There are just times, friends, when even when our hope is in Jesus, that we experience sorrow, and we experience grief, and we experience pain, and we experience loss. It's a part of life. And there are times when it seems that others receive their touch or their answer or their healing and for whatever reason in the moment we don't and we experience sorrow and grief loss and grief are extremely painful particularly during this time of the holidays there are some of you over this last year that have lost people that you love and this christmas just doesn't look like it did last year it just doesn't feel the same way and your grief is real but friends, there is hope. Mark 5, 36, but Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have, here's that word again, faith. Just have faith. Jesus overhearing says, I see the pain and the sorrow, but let me offer you hope. Trust me. There is hope. And Jesus says to Jairus, trust me. I know in the grief and the sorrow, but trust me, trust me. Trust me, how, how can we trust Jesus in our sorrow? You see, before there was ever good news, before there was ever healing, Jesus was inviting Jairus to trust him. Before there was ever a turnaround in the situation, before there was any kind of a miracle or an answer, Jesus was inviting Jairus to trust him. And friends, that's oftentimes what happens. Jesus encourages us to trust him. Why? Because Jesus offers us hope by entering into our sorrow. And that's what he does with Jairus. Take a look at this. In verses 37 to 40, let's continue the story. Then Jesus stopped the crowd, and he wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. And, and, and he went inside and he asked, why all the commotion and the weeping? And you think, Jesus, why do you ask obvious questions? Questions that you know the obvious answer to. This little girl is dead, right? Why all this commotion? And the crowd laughed at him. And 
He made them all leave. And look what it says. He took the girl's father and mother and three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. And, and, and that, that's the part of, of these verses that just, that, that gripped me this week. That gripped me as I was reading through it. Because here's Jesus, and he continues to journey with Jairus into the sorrow that his daughter has died. Into the sorrow, he comes up, and there's weeping and wailing, and, and, and he, 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 he's trying to offer hope. She's just asleep, and they're, 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 they're not happy. They're not struggling to believe. But he, he goes with them, right? And what's he do? He goes up, and he has Peter, James, and John right with him. And they go into the room, but it's not just them. What does he do? He invites the girl's father and mother, Jairus and his wife, to come into the room. Now, as a pastor, maybe you haven't experienced this, but as a pastor, I've had a number of times where I've been invited at the place where someone was, was sick and struggling and time was short. And I've been invited to be in the room with the family when their loved one, at those moments when their loved one has passed away or after maybe you just arrived and got the call and ran up or ran to the place where they were and, and been invited into the room. And I can tell you that in that moment there before you in that room is the sorrow. There before you in that room lies the reality that the one that you love is lying there lifeless. And it's time and it's a place of grieving and Jesus invites them in the room where the little girl is lying, where there she is, and, and she's lying down in that room. And Jesus enters into the room and enters into the sorrow with them. Now, we don't all see what Jesus is about to do next where he raises the little girl from the dead. Not all of us experience that. Death is a very real thing. But I want you to see that Jesus enters into your sorrow. That death, we know in scripture that death is not the end, but it doesn't keep us from the sorrow of the moment and experiencing the sorrow. And I want you to know that Jesus enters into the sorrow with you. He enters into the pain. That in that place was a reminder of the loss and the pain in that room. But Jesus didn't stay on the outside. He didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, Jairus, you received bad news. We didn't get there in time. So long, see ya. No, he journeyed with him and he entered into the sorrow with him. And Jesus enters into our sorrow. He doesn't stay at a distance. And he grieves with us. When a friend of Jesus by the name of Lazarus passed away, they had called for him. Your, your, your friend Lazarus is sick to the point of death, and Jesus didn't come. And Jesus arrives, and Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. And when he shows up, Martha's doing her thing and grieving in her way, and Mary's grieving in her way. And when Jesus comes upon it, we get those short, the shortest verse in the Bible, but powerful. And oftentimes we blow over, but it's powerful. Jesus did what? He wept. He grieved with them. He took a moment before the miracle and he grieved. And you know what? One day, one day there's a miracle, there's a resurrection of the dead that is coming. One day we will see the hope and the life that's found in the resurrection of Jesus. But in these moments when sorrow is real, Jesus enters into the pain. Why? Because another name given at Christmas is this. He is Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. 
Jesus is God with us in the sorrow. Jesus is God with us in the pain. Going back to Isaiah 53, 4, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Psalm chapter 56, 8 says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You collected all my tears in a bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Jesus cares about your sorrow. Jesus enters into your grief. And he weighed him down. And, and that is why he came to bring healing and hope in the midst of your sorrow. Verse 41, holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha, come. Which means, little girl, get up. And the girl was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. And they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. You see, when Jesus enters into our sorrow and we begin to, to, to have our faith and our hope in Jesus, we find that in the midst of the sorrow, Jesus can bring joy and life to our lives. He can bring joy and life. Why? Because there is hope in his name. Thirdly, Jesus is our hope because Jesus saves us from our sin. So let's go to the obvious one, right? Let's not ignore it. And going back to Matthew 121, she'll have a son, you're to give him the name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. You see, the brokenness we have in this world is because of sin. The pain of loss and the sickness and, and the things that we just have, have witnessed are a result or because of sin. And as we read earlier in Isaiah 53, he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. Jesus came to save us from our sin. Jesus came to provide forgiveness for our sin and hope for us in our shame and our guilt. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus happens to be at the home of a religious leader, a Pharisee. And while he's at this home of the Pharisee having a meal, there's an interruption to this dinner party. Luke 7, 37, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume and she knelt before him at his feet weeping. Her tears fell at his feet and she wiped them off with her hair and then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman was touching him. She's a sinner. She's unclean. He, he would know if Jesus was who he really was, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. The problem is, is the Pharisee didn't know Jesus and didn't know why Jesus came. Jesus was well aware of the circumstance. He was well aware of who this woman was. It's described here, an immoral woman. And the alabaster jar was something that those who were prostitutes or immoral in that way, they would perfume themselves to let the men of the area know they were available. This was not anything that was new, but in her own grief, in her own, uh, 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 in the midst of her own shame and guilt over her sin, there was something about Jesus that drew her to him, and she did the only thing that she knew how to do. She was willing to come and interrupt the dinner party, and, and she began to, to fall down at his feet. And in those days, it wasn't like we sit at a table today where we sit on chairs and our feet are under the table. You sat on mats, and you kind of sat to the side with your feet behind you. And there she was coming up behind in full display of everybody, and she was weeping, grieving over her sin. Grieving over her shame, grieving over her guilt. Can I just say that, that, that I think that there's a lot of times where we don't grieve enough over our sin. Before I get to the hope of this, this is just extra. I think sometimes we're a little more like the Pharisee than we are the woman. I'll explain in a moment. She is heartbroken 
over her sin. Grieving to the point, now I don't know about you, but, but sometimes you cry a little. She's crying so much that she's able to cry and the tears that she's crying are so much that she's able to, to wipe and wash the dirty sandals, the dirty feet of Jesus who has walked through these dusty roads with, with, with the, the caked on dust. And she's weeping and she's cleaning his feet and she's drying it. She's crying and she's wiping his feet and she's drying it with her hair and she's kissing his dirty feet and she's, she's putting on this, this alabaster perfume and you can imagine the fragrance that was filling the air and this man sits in condemnation if he knew, if he knew who was touching him. And so Jesus decides to tell a parable and it's a, a parable about two people that owed someone a lot of money. It's about debt. Why? Because forgiveness is all about a debtor relationship, Right? That's why when, when somebody does something against you, we say they owe me an apology, right? You owe me an apology, right? Because it's all about a debt. There's suddenly a debt in the relationship. Forgiveness is all about a debt that's being paid. And so he talks about these two people, one with a great debt, one with a little debt. And he says, who do you, who do you think loved more? And the, the Pharisee responds, the one for, who, was, who was forgiven much, right? Who was forgiven much, and, and, and then Jesus says to him, Jesus says, you know, when I came here, you didn't even offer me the customary hospitality. You, you gave me no water to wash my feet. You didn't even give me the water to wash my feet. You, you didn't greet me with the customary kiss. You, you didn't offer me uh, the anointing oil for my head that, that normally in the hot sun and, and things that, that would be customary in hospital. You weren't even hospitable to me. But this woman, since she's come, She's, she's washed my feet with her tears and she's not stopped kissing my feet and, and she's anointed my feet with an alabaster jar. And, and, and here's the problem. Here's the problem. We don't know his name, but here's the problem, Mr. Pharisee. You think you're so good that you don't need me. But on the other side, she thinks she's so bad that she can't be forgiven. But watch this. I tell you, her sins though they are many, he acknowledges it, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. In other words, the forgiveness was a response. The love that, he, the love that, that she experienced, excuse me, was a response of the forgiveness that she received. A person who has forgiven little only loves, only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table among them, who is this man who goes around forgiving sins? Only God can forgive sins. Who's this man that goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, look what, he, look what he says. Your faith has what? Saved you. Sozo you. Your faith has sozo you. Saved you. Go in peace. It wasn't the expensive perfume that sozoed her. It, it wasn't the kissing of his feet that sozoed her. It wasn't the many tears that she cried that sozoed her. It was her faith. It was her faith that saved her. Forgiveness was not based on her acts, but on her faith. She put her faith in Jesus, and her faith in the name of Jesus brought her forgiveness of sin and salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done so that none of us can boast about it. The word saved in Ephesians 2, 8 is sozo. Your faith has sozoed you. 
The grace of God is when we put our faith in Jesus' name. And when we put our faith in Jesus' name, it saves us from our sin. Forgiveness is ours. Oh, friends, there's hope in Jesus' name. Just I got time for one more. Because Jesus rescues us in our storms. Jesus rescues us in our storms. How many of you know that in life we'll face storms and trials, right? We go through storms in life. We go through trials in life, don't we? That's a part of life. In fact, Proverbs 10, 25, when the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. What's the foundation? Jesus told his disciples in, in, in John 16, in this life you'll have trouble. In this life you'll have troubles, trials. But take heart, what I have, what? Overcome the world. Put your faith in me in the midst of the storm because I have overcome the world. Jesus is our hope because he rescues us in storms. And in Matthew chapter 14, 22 and 23, or 22 through 33, Jesus is, is, is finishing up and, and he's been doing some miracles and he's kind of tired and there's some things that are happening and he, he's dismissing the crowd and he sends the disciples in a boat. They're fishermen, they have a boat. And he says, you know, go out in, in the sea, we're gonna cross the lake. Go out, get in the boat and begin to cross over. And, and, and he's dismissing the crowd and he goes up in the mountains and prays and, and they push out away and, and, and they're out there. And all of a sudden there is wind and waves and a storm. We had a windy night last night, didn't we? Imagine being out in the middle of Lake Erie with the winds like that. Right? And the winds and the waves, and they're out there, and they're, they're rowing against the winds and the waves. In fact, in verse 24, it says, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. Everybody, anybody ever been in trouble? They were in trouble, far from land. A strong wind had risen. They were fighting the heavy waves. And, and these experienced fishermen, it's about 3 a.m., and all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking on the waves. And the storm hadn't stopped. It was still windy. It was still these waves, and yet Jesus is walking on the waves, and, and, and they thought it was a ghost. They're like, whoa, and he looks like he's going to walk by. One of the other uh, gospels writes, it looks like Jesus was going to walk by. He wasn't going to walk by. He was revealing himself to them. This is really powerful. Hang with me. And, and Jesus spoke to them at once. Look what he says, Matthew 14, 27. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Don't be afraid. Take courage. What did he say? I am here. Now, now can I tell you another way that you could read this? Another way in the Greek that you can, you can read this, and, and, and it's just, we don't translate it this way, but we could. It, it could be also translated, the I am is here. What, 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 when Moses said, God, what do I tell them your name is? What, what did God say? I am. I am. I am. Don't be afraid, I am is here. Don't be afraid, I am is here. God with us right there in the moment in the middle of the storm. Jesus is saying, I am, is here. But they were questioning, is it really Jesus? Is it really Jesus? And so, you know, Peter, Peter's the one with, you know, he just says before he thinks, right? And, and, and Peter called out, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come walking on the water. And Jesus says, yes, come. Be careful what you ask Jesus. Be careful what you test, Right? Be careful. Sometimes we test. Be careful because Jesus will invite you to trust him. He'll invite you to, to test him, right? And so he says, come. Yes, come. And so what does Peter do? Peter went off the side of the boat and began walking toward Jesus. Now remember, remember the storm is still going on. The same trouble they were in in the boat and the wind and the waves was still happening. And here's Jesus walking and Peter starts to step out on those waves. And for a little while, Peter is doing really good, right? And when he's drawing the strong winds and the waves... 
He, he went over the side of the boat, walked on water toward Jesus. When he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. And he began to sink. Save me, sozo me. Sozo me, Lord. Sozo me, he shouted. See, it's so easy in the midst of the storm to get our eyes off of Jesus and to get our eyes on the wind and the waves and the circumstances. And in the circumstances, we begin to sink. And Peter knew what to do when he began to sink. He knew what to do when the wind and the waves started to overcome, when the storms of life were too much for him. Peter knew what to do. He cried out, Sozo me! Save me! Why? Because there is hope and rescue in Jesus' name. There is hope and rescue in Jesus' name. Jesus says immediately, immediately it says, Jesus reached out and grabbed him. Immediately. He said, you have so little faith. I'm on, that's me, right? Come on, how many would say, that's me? I get all the, I know you, I, I, I'm confessing, Jesus, yeah, come in here, we sing Jesus, Jesus, right? Woo. And then the storms come up and we go, oh no, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, save me, what are we gonna do? Jesus, save me, right? <laughs> and he says, oh, you have little faith, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? But what's he do? He doesn't dunk him, right? I mean, we all had relatives in the pool, right, you know? like big brothers or, or uncles, you know, that, that thought they were being funny and, and, you know, we're trying to swim and have a good time and they're over there, wah, wah, and we're like, no, help me, help me, help me. And they're like, I'll help you, whoa, whoa, wah. right? That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. When you cry out for help, those who call on the name of the Lord will be so-so, will be saved, will be rescued. <laughs> And he, he reached out his hand immediately. And, they, and it says, they climbed back into the boat and the wind stopped. And the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Can I, can I ask you a question? How'd they get back on the boat? How'd they get back on the boat? If Peter's walking and he walked away from the boat and he was doing fine and then started to sink and the wind and the waves are pushing the boat, I'm pretty sure that they weren't right next to the boat. I think sometimes we think they're right next to the boat. Jesus picks him up and, you know, like picks him up and throws him in the boat. And maybe, maybe that's what happened. Or maybe, maybe Peter walked on water a little bit again. Maybe in the midst of the storm, Peter walked a little bit further to get back into the boat. Maybe Peter started to walk again, but this time when Peter was walking, guess what he was? Hand in hand with Jesus. Hand in hand with Jesus. There are times when the storms come. There are times when we're overwhelmed. There are times when it's just too much and we get our eyes off of Jesus and we begin to sink. But Jesus rescues us in our storm. There is hope because he rescues us in our storm and he takes us by the hand and we begin to walk together. It's not safe from the storm. Sometimes the storms don't stop right away. Sometimes we gotta walk hand in hand with Jesus. But there is hope. But there is hope in the name of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus said, I am is here. I am is here. Don't be afraid. I am is here. Emmanuel is here. God with us is here. Worship team, will you come? Friends, I want you to know this Christmas that there is hope in the name of Jesus. There is hope. The name of Jesus means God saves. 
And he has come to save. He has come to sozo us. There is hope because he has come to heal us. And there is hope because he's come to walk with us through our sorrows. And there is hope because he's come to save us from our sin. And there is hope because he's come to rescue us in our storms. There is hope. There is hope. And so my question is, do you need hope? Perhaps you're here and you recognize your sin, your guilt, your shame. You recognize the fact that you need forgiveness today, that you need a savior today. The guilt and the shame have sometimes overwhelmed you, the fear. And you think, I've done too many bad things. There's no way. Listen, (laughs) there is nothing. You are not too far. There is, there is no sin too great that Jesus cannot forgive. And so today, Jesus offers salvation and forgiveness of sin. If you need healing today, I'm going to invite you to come. We're going to pray for those that need healing because there is healing in Jesus' name. So, so. Jesus wants to make you whole. If, if you need life today, maybe you're grieving and you need hope in the midst of your sorrow today. Maybe you're struggling with grief. We want to pray with you because there is hope in Jesus' name. And maybe you're going through a storm today. And you want someone to pray with you in the midst of that storm because you're having trouble seeing Jesus amongst the wind and the waves. Today, there is hope and we want to pray for you. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Jesus, we thank you today because there is hope in your name. Because your name means God saves Sozo, you save, you heal, you deliver, you carry us in our sorrows, you rescue us, Lord, you rescue us in our storms, and you forgive, provide forgiveness for our sin. If you're here today and you want to put your faith in Jesus, you need his forgiveness today, and you need salvation today, you, you say, I need forgiveness, I've sinned against God, I've sinned against God, and I need forgiveness, I need the forgiveness and hope and salvation that Jesus offers. Will you slip up your hand today? I want to pray with you. I need salvation today. I need forgiveness for my sin. If you're watching online, will you let us know in the comments? We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to just pray with you and interact with you online as well. Do you need forgiveness of sin today? Do you need forgiveness of sin today? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your forgiveness. Jesus, today we put our hope and our trust in you. And we ask you, Lord, to save us from our sin. Forgive us today. We put our hope in you and our trust in you. We ask you and invite you to come into our lives and to provide the healing and the wholeness and the salvation that we so need. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand today? And if you need prayer for any one of those things today, maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you need rescue. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you in the midst of your storm today. Maybe you're struggling with grief and you need someone today who will, who will just encourage you in your grief. Will you come? Or maybe you just want salvation today. Will you come and let us pray with you today? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.